Hi everyone, my name is Anisha Bandakabi, and today I'm extremely honored to introduce to you Steve Sarowitz and David Cherry. I have gotten an opportunity to speak with both of them prior to this podcast, and I have to say they're both really amazing people that are doing a lot of amazing things for their communities, especially young people like me. Today we're going to be discussing about unity and if it's even possible and coming together as a community in light of all of the events that are happening in our world right now. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Um, please feel free to leave any questions you have in the comments and I will also be leaving my personal contact information if you have any questions about just getting involved with Humanity Rising and all of that. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, I'm, I'm Steve. I'm an entrepreneur and a philanthropist, and um, I always call myself a, a world peace uh, ambassador. Basically, I spend most of my time trying to teach the world that we're one human family. I have a shirt on that says that, flowers of a garden, and uh, that's really what I'm doing most of the time, most every day, telling people that we don't have to hate each other. And I'm really happy to have this conversation with David. David, can you tell everyone what you do every day? Uh, yes, uh, thank you, Steve. I'm very pleased to be with everybody. Um, uh, I'm originally from New York City, but, uh, but I've been in Chicago now uh, since 1992. But uh, it was in 2007 that uh, I started the All-Stars Project in Chicago here in this city. The uh, All-Stars Project was founded in New York City in 1981. We are a privately funded youth nonprofit. We have uh, offices in Newark, New Jersey, Dallas, uh, Texas, and San Francisco. And, um, and here in Chicago, we have uh, two core programs. One is the All-Stars Talent Show Network, where we produce talent shows for young people from 5 to 25 years of age. And, the, uh, and, and we also have the Development School Youth Program, which is a leadership training and paid internship, paid summer internship program, where we introduce young people uh, 16 to 21 to our partners in the business community. We have workshops on writing resumes, uh, interviewing for a job, uh, public speaking. We have workshops which introduce young people to uh, places like uh, industries like uh, real estate and uh, the legal profession and accounting and architectural firms. And everyone who graduates is placed into a paid summer internship where they earn $14 an hour for six weeks in the summer. So that is uh, what I'm doing as city leader of the All-Stars Project of Chicago. Thank you very much, David. Um, we've had a conversation, and one of the things that's been heavy on my mind this week is that jogger who was shot down in uh, Georgia. I know a lot of people have seen that video and are horrified by it. I personally have been a runner for 40 years, and it's horrifying to me that someone could just be out for a run and could be gunned down like that. But it really highlights a problem we have in our society with, with racism. And I, I wanted to talk to you about how we can work all of us together to try and heal this terrible illness, which has cursed our society for hundreds of years. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, there's so many layers to this issue. Uh, it is the issue I've been passionate about for all of my life, even going back to when I, where I was born in New York City. And uh, I was born all the way in 1960, so that was a long time ago. And I've seen a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of racism over the years. And, you know, have participated in many 
uh, protests calling for justice, you know, when these things happen. So I think, you know, the, the, there's a couple of things when it comes to dealing with racism. Obviously, when you have a racist incident like what happened to Ahmaud Arbery, the uh, jogger, you know, there has to be justice in that case where the perpetrators have to be, and I see they were arrested and, and you know, we'll see what happens when uh, they go to trial. So you have to have justice for people who violate the law and take someone's life. And at the same time, we also have to begin looking at how can we uh, work with those individuals of all races who really do want a better society. And, you know, there, there actually are more people in our society who really do want to uh, work together than those who are out committing criminal activities. Uh, but we also, we also have to create the environments where you can actually bring people together. And, and I'm proud that um, over the 31 years that I've been with the All-Stars Project, again, first in New York City and now here in Chicago, you know, we've been bringing together uh, people who don't look like each other, people who have very different backgrounds, people who are poor, people who are middle class, people who are wealthy, uh, people who are different races and different religions. And we've been able to bring them together so that they can begin to even know each other and meet each other and learn how to work together and in some cases play together. And, um, and I think that's the key is, is getting people in, in rooms and in environments where they can begin relating to each other as human beings. Because that's what we all are at the end of the day. We're all human. We have our differences uh, in, in color and race and ethnicity, but, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And we all bleed when we get cut. We all will hope for days where we can be happy. We're all sad when we lose people. And at the end of the day, we are all part of the uh, human race. So I'm, I'm a big believer in bringing people together and bringing diverse people together uh, and creating from that point. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I always like to say that these differences that you know have you were talking about, like race or religion, are really illusory. That right. when in reality, the reality that we all live in is one reality. So you know we may right. follow different religions, but there's only one God, and right. that God told us to love each other. We may have different skin colors, but there is nothing that makes someone with my skin color better than someone with your skin color. Nothing. I'm not smarter because because I'm white. I mean, but society acts like this, which is horrific and terrible. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that I'm less dangerous. There, you know, there's plenty of white people who shoot, as we saw this week with guns. I mean, white people can, back for a black person, I think white people are more dangerous, to be honest. And it's a shame. I've been running for 40 years. No one's ever threatened me. I was telling my friend the story. I, I actually, um, this is going back, I'm in my 50s now, but going back over 30 years ago, I, um, I've always been a walker and a runner and I just decided to walk like six miles home from a job interview and I happened to go I, I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago and I went through a neighborhood that wasn't so good on my way home and this guy walked up to me I was wearing a suit and said what are you what are you doing uh, black guy I'm, I'm going through a black neighborhood and I just told him I was walking home and you know he, he saw I was nice I wasn't trying to hurt anybody or trying to you know be better than anybody and he actually walked me through his neighborhood now imagine you know, just, I just want you to think from your experiences, imagine reverse the skin colors there right. and what could happen. And I can tell you that I've thought about that, you know, as, as I've gotten more into understanding race, that my experience has been, you know, 
someone told me, and actually, it was actually associated with Debbie, Debbie, someone I met through Debbie, told me, I don't have white privilege. She says, you don't have any privilege at all. You just live a normal life. It's really the lack of privilege that black people have. In other words, I can walk down the street, no big deal. That's not privilege. That's what everyone should be able to do. And the fact that there are neighborhoods where you can't, you know, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm really talking about you. You know, it's not just young people. Right, right. But, you know, my... Um, we have a family office and our CIO is, is African-American. He's wonderful, an amazing guy. And I said, so what's it like for you in Highland Park where I live? He says, well, you know, I go into a restaurant and people kind of look at me and they, they check me out first to see if I'm okay. And once they realize I'm okay, they're okay. But he, he says, you don't get those looks. I said, yeah. I mean, and he's, you know, he's a very well-educated, intelligent, he's, he's, in his, he's in his 60s now. I mean, what do you have to do not to get this focus on you? Well, you know, I believe that that the uh, and I'm so glad to see so many uh, uh, young people who are part of this uh, podcast today, as well as as well as the adults. You know, I welcome everybody, of course. Uh, but I think that you know, there's a, there there really is an opportunity for uh, the next generation to um, to lead and do things um, uh, uh, very different than what we've seen in the past. You know. Um, um, you know, like this year, um, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, uh, in a few months, I'll have my 60th birthday and I've just seen so much uh, pain and so much tragedy, tragedy. But, uh, but I really do believe that, that this next generation, uh, holds a lot of the keys on how to do things different. And again, there's some young people who don't want to do that, of course, you know, because, you know, racism, you know, it doesn't have any age boundaries, unfortunately. But um, but I do know that there are a lot of young people who who are doing some things differently. Certainly, you know, there's a, more of an openness from young people. In fact, young people have always led the way to making change. It was young people who led the civil rights movement. You know, in the 50s and the 60s, it was young people who have uh, fought for uh, equal rights for women. It was young people who were in the forefront of uh, fighting against all kinds of bigotry, you know, not only in this country, but, you know, you may recall that there were young people who were standing up for democracy in, in China some years ago, or uh, young people who were on the forefront of making sure the Berlin Wall came down uh, in 1989. So, uh, again, adults have been part of that as well, but it certainly has been young people who uh, who grew up in the society and say, you know, I, I, I don't want this to be the life that I live. And I think that we can do things in a much better way. And so I, I really do think that uh, young people uh, working with adults uh, like uh, you, Steve, and Debbie, and myself, and many others, I think collectively we can uh, begin to uh, really recreate what we want to do. And I think even coming out of this pandemic, you know, we have to recreate everything. And one of the things we should uh, dedicate ourselves to is creating a world that is that will be uh, free of racism and injustice. Yeah, and I think all prejudices. So, yes. you know, whether it's whether it's because of someone's sexual orientation or their race exactly. or their gender, uh, their nationality, their religion that they grew up in, you know, we we have to stop othering each other. And the other thing I've always said, and I say this to my family a lot. Um, my family, I, I I'm a Baha'i who comes from a Jewish background, and I say to my family, don't just protect the Jews, protect black people, protect Asian people. You know, there's a lot of prejudice now with um, 
with COVID against Asians. And, and I put up something on my, uh, both my Facebook and my LinkedIn saying, this isn't okay. I said, give an air hug to your Asian brothers and sisters. Um, and you know, one thing we talked about as well, David, is how COVID is affecting black people. And it's, it's really like adding insult to injury, how it's disproportionately affecting black people in many ways with um, both employment and actually death and, and suffering. Um, and this is only, uh, to me, a result of racism. And you know, I, I actually put up a post uh, a few weeks ago, and some people argued with me about this, that, oh, you know, you're, just, you're just putting race in it for no reason. Well, if more black people are dying and significantly more black people are dying in Chicago, that, is, that can only be racism because we are all equal. Anyone who tells me that you don't believe people are equal, I mean, I'm done. We are equal. Um, right. If right. we have inequalities, it's not because I'm better or, or worse, you know, depending on what are inequalities, it's because of our environment. You know, on average, black people and white people should die at the same rate. <laughs> we have this, you know, and it's obvious right. that when you really look underneath the surface that these inequalities are caused by prejudice, by um, poverty, a lot of it's poverty, lack of good medical care. I mean, and these are things that affect all poor people, not just black poor people. And we need to work as a world to make things more equitable and fair and just. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, in, in the last week, we saw that the, um, in addition to the number of black people, uh, who have been infected by COVID-19, we saw a sharp rise in the number of Latinx uh, people. And it really is, as you say, Steve, it really is an issue of poverty. Um, and uh, I grew up poor in New York City. And, um, and I know one thing uh, uh, for poor people, uh, poor people, for example, cannot work from home. Poor people have jobs working in warehouses, like all the things we get from Amazon are, are uh, packed and shipped, you know, by, uh, in many cases, uh, people of color and, and poor people, and sometimes even poor whites who are in the shipping areas as well. Uh, it's poor people who are working as the janitors. It's poor people who are often the ones who are, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, who are, you know, who still ride the buses and trains because the jobs they have are jobs in which they can't work at home. They, if you're a cashier, you cannot work from home. If you're uh, working uh, in any kind of environment uh, where, you know, where you're part of the working class, you know, you have to show up for work or you don't get paid. In many of the cases, um, the same people are working in jobs where they have a lot of contact with the public. Uh, also for poor people, poor people live in homes or apartments in which you know, maybe there's, uh, 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 you know, a lot of uh, people in the household because because of poverty, you might have two families trying to share the same apartment. You know, someone finds out that their sister is close to eviction. They take their sister in and, and her children. So you have some young people who are living in environments where it's not only that they live with their parents and their siblings, sometimes they have the aunt and the uncle and their cousins who are in the same apartment. So the, the overcrowding that it exists in a lot of homes, um, especially by people of color and especially by, by poor people, uh, contributes to that. And all, you, all it takes is one person who has to ride the bus or the train uh, to get to their job and then uh, get infected with COVID-19. And that one person brings it back home and they might infect their aunt, they might infect their mother, their father, uh, maybe grandparents in the house. 
So there's a lot of reasons for that. And that's another reason why uh, one of the things we have to dedicate ourselves to is uh, engaging and uh, erratic, erratic this society of, of the uh, very damaging effects of poverty. Yes, and, and racism. I mean, and racism. Racism, and then they go together, and, and racism exactly. is this curse. Um, in my faith, in the Baha'i faith, it actually says, and, and this is over 100 years ago, it was written into our writings, that racism was the most baneful thing in America. And actually, it says in the writings over 100 years ago that if we did not correct it, there would be blood in the streets. And, and we didn't correct it, and there was blood in the streets. And it's unfortunate, but you know, I really have a lot of, as you said, a lot of hope for this generation. And I'm right. looking at the names of, of the people watching, and there's a lot of diversity. And, and I, I see right. a lot more of that among young people. And, I see a lot, you know, I think as much as racism, you said, has no age, that's true. Uh, but I, I do see it more in, in our generation. You and I exactly. are five years apart. I'm going to be right. 55 this year. I, yeah. I think our generation is far worse, which is a good yeah. thing. I mean, it's not bad. Right. It's not good that our generation is more racist, but it's really good that the young generation is less racist. And right. anything we can do, I really think that what you said is, is amazing, which is that we need to People need to get to know people. You know, um, one thing I've heard is, you know, break bread. Of course, now that's hard to do with COVID, but when COVID's over, break bread with somebody who doesn't look like you. Go, go to their house. Go, go, you know, what's interesting is so much, we just, you know, we all eat food. We, 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 what you realize is as you get to be more friendly with people is that people are, are friendly and they have their own personalities. Um, I just found out uh, one of my friends I've known for uh, 50 years, I, I knew he made a movie, but I, I didn't know how good it was. I just watched it last night. You know, you just, you have to, um, you have to really spend time getting to know someone and you, and everyone has little, little things. The more you get to know them, the more you get into their lives, not just That's surf. Exactly right. And I, I, I love what you guys are doing. So tell me a little bit more about like when you take the kids, tell me about how you would take them to a certain place, like you mentioned, accounting, et cetera. Well, that's great, uh, Steve. Uh, the, uh, well, let me tell you first, you know, we, often, we meet our young people through uh, various ways. Uh, uh, we have, uh, well, certainly before we did, before COVID-19, we have, uh, we would just have a group of our uh, uh, staff that would go out to transit stops on the red line, uh, green line, blue line, orange line, and simply meet young people and the families as they're getting on and off the bus or the train, or we'll have teams that will go out to uh, different uh, Chicago public schools and speak to young people. Uh, so we meet all of our young people either through direct uh, community outreach or through uh, doing presentations. And there's no grade point average for a young person to participate in our program. So uh, an A won't automatically get you in, but an F won't keep you out. So we have young people, whether they're getting A's, B's, C's, D's, F's, or even if they've dropped out of school, they can still be part of our programs. So just to take the development school for youth program, for example, uh, every single week, uh, we would have, um, you know, we have workshops on uh, different items like uh, in resume writing or public speaking or how to interview. Uh, we have partners like Grant Thornton that will do a workshop on um, accounting. And by the way, in this environment with COVID-19, we haven't stopped the workshops, it's just all gone virtual. So our workshops look very much like uh, Debbie's uh, Zoom meeting here <laughs> because 
we still do the workshops, now we do it virtually. So uh, as, so uh, the law firm of Neil Gerwin Eisenberg did a, uh, uh, a workshop just like this talking about all the different aspects of the law. It's not just what you see with law and order, you know, so you have uh, estate planning, you have bankruptcy, you have uh, all types of, 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 uh, of, of legal things, intellectual property, so that if uh, a restaurant uh, puts up the, uh, the golden arches, you know, that belongs to McDonald's. They, you know, you just can't just do that, you know. So it was great hearing uh, Neil Gerber Eisenberg and their attorneys, you know, speaking to young people about, you know, what is estate planning? What is bankruptcy? What is uh, intellectual property? Grant Thornton talks about accounting. Uh, Amley Residential talks about residential real estate. Um, Hub International talks about insurance and what is insurance and why people need insurance. So through our workshops, um, we actually have corporate individuals, uh, people who are CEOs, people who are uh, uh, presidents of companies, uh, Nuveen Investments, which is a big financial services company in Chicago. Uh, they are one of the, our leading supporters as well, Equity Residential. And in each one of these workshops, whether it's in person or whether it's virtual, uh, you have business people, uh, you know, uh, business people could be of any race, of course, and, and, you know, many business people often are white. Uh, and we have young people of color who are, who make up most of our students. But what happens when you're doing a workshop, uh, we're all just people, you know? And so uh, you have individuals who can be a CEO. And I remember one CEO self-identified himself as a conservative Republican. And people would, you know, might get taken aback as, wow, you know, that, that person doesn't care about us. And yet this particular uh, a businessman, uh, a conservative Republican, cares deeply about the Young speaks very passionately that we have to end the inequality in our society. And so he's a very uh, generous uh, supporter of ours. He personally leads workshops. He personally makes sure to, to pay uh, interns to uh, intern at his company. And one of the things that he told me was that he's learned a, a lot about, uh, uh, he thought when they took interns that they would just give their information and knowledge to the young people, but he's found that the young people teach his staff a lot about their lives and what it means. So it's a two-way street. So it's not just the adults giving their wisdom to the young people, but the young people also give their wisdom and their experiences to our business people. And so we have um, created quite a community of people, again, not just racially diverse, but politically diverse. Some people are liberal, some are conservatives, but the one thing they have in common, that our the All Stars Project Philanthropists are so dedicated to um, supporting Chicago's young people. We have a dynamic board. Uh, just want to say quickly, someone like Margot Cook, who was um, past president of Green Investment, she just recently retired. She's the chair of our board, but she is so committed uh, to having uh, young people uh, grow and develop and be part of the fabric of our city. And in addition to our business partners welcoming uh, young people into their businesses, uh, we've had young people who've taken trips to the homes of our supporters, you know, whether it is a Margot Cook or Greg Mutz from Amity Residential or David and Susan Nethercutt. Uh, we've had an amazing experience where our young people have uh, uh, really developed friendships, real friendships 
with our business partners. And I'll just say one other thing about that. Uh, one of those business partners you mentioned, Susan Nethercutt, told me one day she wanted the young people to have the experience of the Art Institute. So she paid for the uh, admission for, uh, for a group of our young people. She personally did the tour of the Art Institute. Another year she took young people on an architectural boat ride so they could have that experience. Some, some of our young people had that experience for that very first time. Tourists see things like the architectural boat ride their very first day in Chicago, but some of our young people and their families have never experienced that or what it means to go to the shared aquarium. So in all these experiences, um, again, our philanthropists, um, uh, you know, very group of generous, uh, you know, wealthy, wealthy individuals have provided a great deal of leadership and guidance and support for the young people uh, in the All Stars Project. Um, remind me uh, next time we talk to, to uh, talk to you about the Field Museum. My wife happens to be on the board. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, you can, you know, what people don't realize is the Field Museum just goes down underground forever. And it's an, a really, really interesting museum. If you get an inside tour, it's, you know, they, they, and I've gotten one, it's, it's a, quite an amazing tour. And, and I think it's really important that they understand. I mean, I, I can say that, you know, science is so important and uh, it's really a great way for them to see practically how science works. Um, but so yeah, just remind me and I'll, I can get your kids into the field museum. Um, I had, <clears throat> Another thing you, you'd said, um, I, one, one other thing you said about politics. Um, as a Baha'i, I actually am forbidden from actually being a partisan political. I can't, I can't join right. a party and I can't tell you your party's wrong. I say whatever you vote for, you vote for. Poli po uh, partisan politics becomes a, another point of division. And so That's right. everything I do every day is to try and stop these points of division. And it's great that you're, you have people across political parties. And what you really found with this conservative Republican is he's a human being. He's not exactly. just, you know, it's, it, there's, he's not just a, a, a white man or a black man or a, a Republican or a Democrat. Um, when you dig a little bit underneath or a woman or a man, you know, we find that people are much more complex and much more united, especially right. when we meet each other with love. And I think that's really, every great divine messenger was teaching us love and they weren't teaching us division and yet so often with religion and i think a lot of people have turned away from religion young people because they see the opposite of what real religion is they right. see vision and hatred and intolerance and harsh judgment in the name of religion you know, you're going to hell if you don't do this and that's the opposite of what jesus was teaching what moses was teaching um what buddha was teaching they were all teaching love and unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. And I think that hopefully we can get back there. Um, right. one, one thing you said was very interesting when we were talking the other day. Tell me about what happens when somebody comes to your performance. Let's say someone who uh, is a little shy about speaking in public. How does that affect the rest of their life? Um, well, you know, Steve, one, the uh, All-Stars Talent Show Network, um, um, and, and really that's our flagship program of the All-Stars Project. We actually started that uh, in uh, 1981 in New York City. Uh, it actually started with uh, uh, some young people uh, who were looking for some things to do and our activists, uh, you know, said, you know, they, they asked what, what kind of things we'd like to do and young people said, we want to have a talent show. And so, um, 
So our activists at the time, a group of community organizers who were uh, working on uh, things like helping people uh, who were on welfare and uh, food stamps, uh, you know, the young people said they want to have a talent show, and we gave them a talent show. And so the first talent show, uh, All Stars talent show, uh, took place in a church basement in the Bronx, New York, in 1981. And um, and I remember, uh, Steve, when when uh, you know, many years, you know, when we decided to bring it to Chicago in 2007, uh, there were some people who told me that, uh, you know, Mr. Chair, it's a great thing you're trying to do, but you know. Um, you know, Chicago is uh, too violent, you know, it's going to be chaos, it's going to be riots. And I said, you know, if we give people some positive things that put uh, a very uh, uh, a wonderful environment, you know, the place has to have air conditioning in the summer, you know, and it has to be a very nice uh, environment that young people and their families will come to it and they will appreciate being part of the All-Star. So we've had 38 talent shows here in Chicago since 2007 and not one incidence of violence because that's not what people want to do. So when a young person comes to the uh, All-Stars uh, auditions, um, we don't tell them this at the beginning, so uh, please keep it a secret, but everybody will make the show because <laughs> it's not based on the talent, it's based on giving young people an opportunity to perform. So th the thing about performance is um, that's what we all are as human beings. We are all performers. You know, we. Uh, some people perform on the football field. Some people perform as singers on stage. But we perform as librarians. We perform as business owners. We perform as school teachers. We perform as warehouse workers. We perform as uh, cashiers. That's what the human species does. We perform. So we say to a young person, if you can stand up on stage and sing and rap and dance, do spoken word, play an instrument, you can do that in front of 300 people in an auditorium. You can certainly stand up in a classroom or in an auditorium at your school and give a presentation about history, give a presentation about math, because it's all performance. Because in school, you're performing as a student. So we say to young people, if you can perform on stage, you can perform in everyday life. And performance is another thing which uh, we found has brought people together as well, because we have uh, uh, people, uh, uh, I mean, all kinds of people who come to a talent show. Uh, it brings the young people together, their families. Uh, we have a multiracial team of volunteers, and, uh, and it, really everybody has a great time supporting each other. The one rule we have at our talent shows is that you cheer, is to cheer for every single performer because that young person needs to hear that they are supported. It takes a lot for someone to, remember, to memorize their lines and to stand up for three minutes and to perform. And, we, and we've heard, uh, I've heard stories from parents in which um, a young person after performing, um, they'll go back, they'll go to school on uh, performing in the talent show on a Saturday, like, like right now. And on Monday, they go back to school and they say, the crowd went wild, wild. And they'll show off their medal. And we give all of our performance medals for being in the show, but they, go back to school on Monday and they said, guess what I did over the weekend? I, I rapped or I sung and the crowd went wild. So it's a great activity where young people gain confidence and we invite young people to join us as volunteers because part of what we're doing, uh, uh, Steve and everybody, is we want young people to develop as leaders. And one of the best ways to develop as leaders is not only performing on stage, but performing off stage and helping to build the program.
Um, I, that's wonderful what you said about, you know, you're worried about people being violent in Chicago. Uh, one of my uh, mentors in philanthropy is a man by the name of Bill Strickland. And we built a center together, actually built a couple centers, one on the west side of Chicago called Shycat, and another one in Akko, Israel, not too far from the picture behind me called ACAT. But I love what Bill says about poor people. He says, the only thing that's wrong with poor people is they ain't got no money. Right. That's right. <laughs> so it's basically, uh, you know, we, we have to stop looking at people who are poor as, as being sick. They just are poor. And, you know, I actually think in this society, we have a tendency, some of us, to vilify poor people and sometimes to vilify rich people. Right. And I would say, you know, a person is a person. Just give them a chance to show them, to show you who they are, and then you can judge them. That's and right. That's then, right. Um, from a Baha'i perspective, if they have nine bad points and one good one, look at the good one one good one and draw it out of them and that kind of makes them a better person because everybody's got potential yeah one of my um there's a guy that there's a story friend it's a friend of a friend and i want to do a, I'm, one of the things i do is produce movies and i want to do a movie about him have you ever heard of a guy called daryl davis daryl davis that sounds familiar he's the guy musician who went to all the kkk members befriended them you ever hear his story? Oh yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, somebody was telling me about that uh, two months ago. That, that's what. Yeah, and I think that's what we got to do. Is we got to find people who are hating, and we have to um, bring them over to love. And so, you know, Martin Luther King says it. He says, um, "You can't overcome hate with hate. Only love can do that. Darkness can't overcome darkness. Only light can do that." And so, what I would say to young people is, be that light, and and don't be afraid of going to someone who you think is a hater and trying to meet them and show them love. Because if you come right in their face, they're just gonna get madder and they're gonna hate more. But if you meet them and befriend them like Daryl did, Daryl got 200 people right. out of the KKK. I mean, yeah. I, I'm extraordinary. Just, I, well, extraordinary, extraordinary is, I don't even have a word for it. I'm <laughs> I mean, I've been in situations, so I, I grew up Jewish and I was beaten up when I was a kid because I was Jewish. I, I was for, playing fourth grade, I was playing with some friends of mine. And all of a sudden they gather around me. One guy throws me down. There's like six or eight kids there. And I knew not to fight back because it wasn't just one-on-one. -on -one. And this guy beats me up and I, I take and I walk away. And I didn't even know why it happened. I, I was kind of a quiet kid. I wasn't mean or anything like that. I wasn't much of a fighter. And the only thing, only thing I knew when I got up as I was getting up, someone said the word Jew. And I knew it was because I was Jewish. Yeah, and, you know, so I've been in situations where I felt a little uncomfortable being Jewish. I can't imagine the bravery. I just, Daryl Davis, I mean, hats off. If I had a hat, I'd take it off to Daryl Davis just for going and talking to one person, let alone hundreds of them. But that's what we, ha we all have to do. And I think he's a great example for us young and old. We have to not just go with the people that are nice, but we have to reach across the aisle, whether it be a Republican, a Democrat, or black and white, women and men. And we need to fight for everybody's rights. And that's, that's right. That's right. And, and, and and one of the things you mentioned too about uh, poor people. Again, I, as I said before, you know, I grew up poor, and I know what it's like when it's not just the, um, you know, one of the things is, you know, first, certainly it's the financial part of it where you don't have enough money, but it's also in this society. This, this society we live in is so anti-poor that it relates to poor people as being dumb or stupid and uh, lazy, or that you brought your poverty on yourself. And one of the things I appreciated about meeting the All-Stars Project in uh, 1989, uh, it was really the first time uh, 
you know, outside of, you know, my own family, of course, that I had, uh, that I met people who related to me and said, uh, David, we want you to be a leader. You know, we, you know, we want you to grow and develop as a leader. So I got related to in so many ways, um, right from the very beginning, as if I could grow, develop and do things like I, I like before I met the All-Stars Project, I never would have imagined uh, speaking in public anywhere, you know, but, you know, I've spoken in public a lot of times in Chicago, had the opportunity to uh, speak at the Lincoln Center uh, a number of times in front of 500 people uh, at the All-Stars Project uh, Gala. Uh, but for me, uh, Steve, the most important thing was, okay, now that I've been related to as a leader, now that I've had the opportunity to become a leader, how do I give that to our young people? Because I know a lot of our young people who've been scorned and ridiculed and put down for so long, uh, sometimes they can feel, uh, they can lose their confidence that they can lead. They can feel that uh, leadership is for somebody else. It's for somebody else in, the, in you know, uh, a, a, another young person can lead, but I can't. But every young person has a capability to become a leader. And so that's been my mission to say to young people, regardless of whether you're shy, uh, being shy is simply a performance. You can also perform as an assertive person, but you know, we, but they, you know, you may need some support to do that and people who believe in you. And I believe in our young people. I believe in them and I believe that they can uh, achieve some great things, but we all have to have that performance with our young people. Like all of us who believe in our youth have to give them uh, opportunities to step up and step out and to become leaders because uh, uh, they have a lot of creativity. Um, and it's time that we stop silencing their voices. They have a lot to say, and we definitely want them to be part of growing this society. And I just want to add one other thing uh, we're, we're doing with the All-Stars Project. We've embarked on a, a campaign to build a center for after-school development in downtown Chicago. And we see this center as a place where we can do all the things you're talking about, Steve, and all the things I know Debbie is committed to, and many of the people who are uh, in this meeting uh, we see it as a place where we can bring together young people, uh, whether they're on the south side, west side, north side. We want to bring together our philanthropists. We want to bring together our volunteers. We want the families to be part of that. But we want it, we want it to be a place of creativity and a place where people can play together and work together and, and create a new Chicago together. Wonderful. Well, we're speaking of young people talking, let's open it up to the young people with Q&A so we can answer their questions. And, yes. you know, I think and I'm going to ask one of our young leaders who I see is on here. Um, David, you've never met him. Steve, you met him. Uh, Devin, if you're there, Devin Moore is just a phenomenal, phenomenal leader who has a story. Devin, if you want to share a little bit your story and how he's taken something that was could have been real tragedy and turned it into a solution. So, Devin, good to see you. It's good to see you too. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Devin. I started my own anti-bullying organization, hashtag race to speak up after being racially cyberbullied. And I understand firsthand what racism looks like. I just wanna say thank you, Mr. Cherry, for all the good work that you're doing and for giving your insight on racism in the modern day and how people of color are getting hit the hardest during this pandemic. Also, my goals are to get an anti-bullying law passed that will keep kids in school safe from bullying and to get mandatory anti-bullying classes implemented into schools. As a young black male, I am very, I am working very hard to keep kids safe in school. 
I want everyone to understand that we are part of one race, which is the human race. I mean, that, that is beautiful, definite. And I, I really appreciate your support. And I think, I, think, I mean, you, you're a perfect example of what I was just talking about. You know, you're a young, young, uh, young man with a lot of uh, wisdom. Uh, you know, who's, uh, I know uh, Debbie told me about you as well, too. So I know, you know, some of the wonderful things you're, you're accomplishing. And you are the future. You really are, Devin. And it's so great to uh, meet you here virtually. And, you know, at some point, it'd be great to meet in person. But, uh, but, yeah. I, I, but I appreciate you and I appreciate your leadership. And, you know, and again, as I, as I see here at the age of 59, uh, um, you know, it gives me a great deal of hope just hearing you speak and to hear your ideas. And uh, yes, we need the uh, uh, anti-bullying laws. We need all of the things you spoke about. So thank you, Devin. Thank Devin, you. Uh, Devin, it's always great to see you. I want to say one word to you. That's namaste. Do you know what that means? Namaste. Namaste. Isn't that like what you say at the end of yoga? Like namaste? You know, do you know what it means? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> it means the light in me sees and appreciates the light in you. So that's what I like. I, every time I see you, I like to see your light. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sarley. Thank you for gracing us with your light. So namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Now you know David, what it means. It's beautiful. David, are there, are there ways for Humanity Rising students to help All-Stars or volunteer? I mean, one of the things that we're going to be doing soon, uh, we're going to be looking for our uh, high school students to mentor younger students in their community, but because we're also doing yeah. this virtually, you know, kids connect with, can connect with kids in communities anywhere. So that's something that we're going to be launching very soon. What are some of the ways that they can get involved in, in All-Stars and helping? Uh, well, you know, well, first of all, uh, it, it, let me give you my uh, email and um, and perhaps Debbie can even send it out to, uh, if you not don't have something, write it down. But my email is uh, dcherry, so that's D-C-H-E-R-R-Y at allstars.org. And um, and I, I I definitely want you to write to me because uh, we definitely look, want to have you involved in some things. The most immediate thing that I want to invite everyone here to be part of is we're doing a graduation ceremony for our development school for youth program that's going to be May 14th at uh, from 5:30 to 6:30 p.m. And we have uh, it's a combined graduation for Chicago and Dallas, Texas. Uh, so it's the first time we've done that. It's going to be a virtual graduation ceremony. And uh, one of the guest speakers is going to be uh, the new Chicago Police Superintendent, David Brown. Uh, and we look forward to, I personally look forward to getting a chance to uh, speak with him because one of the things that we've done across the country in New York City and, and Newark and, and Dallas has started, uh, has been uh, having dialogues with how can we improve police community relations and kind of following up on what Steve was talking about with some of the, you know, bringing people together. Uh, we want to bring together, uh, you know, people in the community and the police department because we, you know, we need to uh, uh, address some of the harm that's been done in this relationship. And we also need to move forward and see how we can, uh, can be productive. But again, we have our graduation ceremony, May 14th, 5.30 to 6.30 via Zoom 
with Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown and Nancy Lieberman, who's a WNBA Hall of Famer. So, um, so anybody who's interested in that, if, if you didn't get my email, it's, again, it's dcherry at allstars.org, or you can certainly contact Debbie uh, to get that information. And also, um, I want you to uh, email me too, because uh, you know, even beyond May 14th, we're looking at creating a, um, a summer of development experience for young people. Uh, because now since we're all virtual, um, not only can we connect people in Chicago and the Chicago area and the suburbs, but we can also connect you to some of the things that's happening with my colleagues in New York City and New York, New Jersey and San Francisco, California and Dallas, Texas. So we actually are creating some of that even as we speak. But uh, just um, again, just contact me because I definitely uh, want your involvement. Of course, when we open up again, we definitely uh, look forward to welcoming you to the uh, All Stars Project office uh, that is uh, currently downtown in the Menonot building at 53 West Jackson. And at, you know, we definitely look forward one day to having a center for after school development where we want all of you to be part of that. Steve and Debbie and adults included with all of the young people. So, um, but please write to me because we are developing new programming content. We're also looking at creating a virtual all-stars talent show. So anybody who has talent, who likes to perform, even if you're not talented and you still want to perform, you can still be part of our all-stars talent show network. If we want to do something national, we want to do something that involves Chicago, New York, Newark, San Francisco, and Dallas. Uh, but uh, please write to me and I will definitely keep you informed on all the activities of the all-stars project. I want people to know that there's so many good people like Steve. I just met Steve yesterday, but, uh, you know, but the, you know, but to hear you speak so passionately against racism, you know, I, I just want you to know, I personally appreciate that. And I want more people, uh, you know, to know, uh, you know, about people like you and Debbie and, and young people like Devin and Anisha and Nico and, and the others here too. I mean, it's just so much, I'm leaving this meeting with feeling so good about, uh, 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 our society here. Well, we, we um, you know, those of us who, we won't call it white privilege, but those of us who are, who are not lacking need to use our mouths and use our voice and use everything we've been given because we're one humanity. Right. Um, really quick story is uh, I toured Cook County Jail over a decade ago and I noticed how many people were brown and black disproportionately. And I told my friend who was with me, and he says, well, if you do the crime, you got to do the time. And I said, you know what? And this is before I was a Baha'i, but he, I said, you know, we're all born equal. We're all, I knew this back then, we're right. all born equal. And right. I said, a lot more of us who are a little darker are here in jail, then there's some inequality. In between them going to jail and birth, there's an inequality. Let's figure right. it out, fix it. And that's how I think about everything, whether it be poverty or COVID. Let's take these inequalities and let's give everyone a chance. Right. And I'm, I'm very much a rising tide lifts all boats. Let's help everybody. It helps right. me to help you. Right. And that's my, hopefully, you know, if we, if, we, if we got nothing across today, just let's, let's help lift everyone's boat. And I have so much faith in young people and, and, you know, Devin and Anisha and Nico and all the rest of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And uh, happy uh, early 60th birthday, David. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> my, I appreciate my that. My family, in my, I don't know if you don't know this about me, but my family, I'm the only white one. My wife is a person of color and my kids, my wife is Hispanic. 
And so they, my wife says, black don't crack. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> They're all, always insulting me for my wife. And uh, I just added to it, Baha'i don't lie. And, and, and it's been just wonderful, wonderful to have a chance to talk to you guys today. Thank you. Thank you, the real deal. So thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And join us Wednesday night for our student-led What Cause Inspires You voices. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank Have a good you. weekend, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.